Oh, this is so funny. Third time is a charm, y'all. Third time is a charm. Hi, friend. This is Kate Akokadezi, and it is great to have you listening today. What I aim to do with this podcast and the wider ministry of I Am Free Woman is to help you heal and transform your heart and mind as you choose to live free in Christ every day. I believe healing is our choice, and once we embrace that process, we can truly heal as we are healed. So I say healed people heal people. <laughs> this episode in this month for the month of April, um, I would say that is all about confronting our past wounds and learning to move forward with and within grace. So there will be no long talks in my introductions because the conversations in the episodes are rich and filled with wisdom. Let's welcome a dear friend and sister of mine, Wilkenia Napoleon, who is also the vice president of I Am Free Woman Ministries. She has definitely worked with me in some things when it comes to building something that God has called me to. So I just personally want to say thank you to you, girl. Thank you. I invited Wilkenia to sit with me for a conversation. We touch on many topics as it relates to relational wounds, hurts, and pain. She will not say this, but I know she's an awesome woman, an awesome, incredible woman of God who champions all the people in her life, including me. I couldn't think of a spirit-filled woman to have this conversation with, but her, because she's been through so many things, but doesn't allow those things to affect and infect her. She knows what a godly healing journey feels like and looks like. She knows the messiness of it, and she knows the healing pains that comes with it. So join us as we discuss topics such as shame, guilt, silent trauma, empathy, sympathy, and so much more. As you listen, here are some nuggets for you. Fear is a real motivator for our silence in some situations. Silent trauma creates unhealthy internal dialogues. Shame and guilt are traps of the enemy. Sympathy is an external experience and empathy is an internal experience. When contemplating how to show empathy, ask, what would I want for someone to do? If you are a fixer naturally, it is often difficult to show empathy immediately. To be known means all of you in a holistic experience, you know what pain feels like, you know what heartbreak feels like, you know what trauma feels like. Vulnerability leads to being known which also gives which also gives you the chance to give your sisters the opportunity to know you. For those who are invited in, see such invitation into someone's vulnerability as a privilege and also choose to try God and walk in forgiveness every day. We had a great conversation, which I know you will enjoy too. And after three or four many times recording this, I know you will enjoy it, especially this intro. My, for some reason, the computer wasn't cooperating. So remember to choose to be free, choose to live free and choose to stay free and always choose to be faithfully renewed, encouraged and exceptional, which is free. This is Kate your Chief Joy Activator. Until next time, may God's goodness and mercy follow you always. And remember, heal people, heal people. So go out there and heal someone today. Choose to live free. I love you. Bye. Enjoy the conversation. Clear your throat. Clear your throat. (laughs) Hey, Wilkenia, how are you? Doing well, Kay. How are you? I am doing well. So, y'all, I have one of my good friends here with me. She's also 
the VP for I Am Fruman Ministries. And this season, I would say this season because it's the month of April. And as everyone knows, we are diving into some hard topics when it comes mm-hmm. to us as women, as, as sisters. Everybody has a particular calling that God calls them to. And it's usually based on our life experiences, the things that we've been through. And my calling has been to do this, to minister, to teach, to show women how healing is possible when you've gone through situations where you feel like your voice was taken from you. And so this topic uh, in the month of April being abuse awareness, sexual abuse, sexual assault awareness month, it's heavy. And the first episode in this series, I shared my story and it was heavy. It was kind of like, okay, another layer of healing is taking place, even within me, as I was talking about my scars. And so today, what we are going to be doing is we are going to talk about the silence of it all. Why is this silent? Why is it that it's happening and it's so prevalent in our homes, in our communities, in our schools, in our workplaces, everywhere, in our churches? And still, it is so silent of uh, a topic that we don't hear much about. It's kind of hush-hush. You know, people go through it and it's kind of so hard for us to even talk about. There are so many reasons why it is hard for women and men and girls and even children to kind of say that this is what happened to me, you know. And oftentimes when you hear the stories of what happened to women, for example, you know, other women are quick to judge like, well, what did you do? They didn't do anything, you know. And even if they did anything like wore a mini skirt or wore something that showed a part of their body, It was not the right of the other person to take what they wanted to take from that person, right? Even if they did something wrong, it was not the right of that person to physically abuse them, you know? And Mm -hmm. so it's hard for most women who go through these things. When you look at the workplace, sexual harassment, that's what we call it. In the workplace, it's sexual harassment. But everywhere else, we call it sexual assault and sexual abuse, but it's really, you know, workplaces are still abuse. You know, you call it sexual harassment and you have power that is exercised in the workplace. And so oftentimes employees, you know, managers, people who report to somebody who did that to them don't have the voice or don't have the language to even step forward. And if they step forward, it takes a long time. I am in HR. I know it takes a long time (laughs) for these things to be resolved, you know? Right. So, so it's hard to talk about it. And then also we do have those people who take advantage of the system. For example, someone will say that this happened to me when it really didn't happen, you know? Mm -hmm. So we do have those people and it kind of makes it hard for those that these things happen to to come forward because not <laughs> right from the get-go, people are either judging you that it happened or they're judging you that it did not happen and you're lying or they're judging you that it happened and it was your fault. So, so many different layers of this. And so we are going to talk about it. And before we start talking about it, I have been reading um, Viola Davis's book, Finding Me. 
Yeah, that's the title, Finding Me. And it is so good. And I'm only like in chapter like six. Mm -hmm. I started reading it on a on a road trip. And it is so good um, because I really was interested in hearing about how she's navigated the abuses that she went through. So she talks about physical abuse. She talks about sexual abuse by her brother. She talks about uh, emotional and psychological and all these different types of abuses that she's gone through. And if you know who Viola Davis is, Davis is from just watching her on screen, right? You can only imagine the journey that she took to get to where she's at right now. And in her book, I have highlighted so many places, but in her book, she talks about the story of when she was on stage with Will Smith and Will Smith asked her, who are you? And we've all been asked that question, right? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And it took her a while to respond to that question. And Will Smith had to even explain to her from his own view, how he like conceptualizes that question enough, enough to answer it, which is, when someone asks me who I am, who am I, I am thinking about the younger me, you know, and what I really needed when I was young. And so that's how she was able to finally answer that question, who are you? And she answered that question by thinking about her younger self, the young Black girl who uh, was, you know, she she didn't know, she, she had, she wanted to be seen. She wanted to be known the young black girl who had been verbally abused for being black you know she talks about that that what she yearned at that age is who she truly is or who she is becoming now so we have will kenya and she and i are going to tackle this topic of the silent pandemic and i want you to introduce yourself first before we get started my goodness. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, like Kate said, uh, I'm Wilkenia uh, Napoleon. I am recently the VP of I Am Free Women Ministry. And uh, I am, you know, uh, in, a, this, in this journey with Kate as well, just wanting to impact women and um, in all forms. And so uh, I'm excited. Uh, this is definitely a hard topic. Um, but I'm excited to to speak about it and, um, you know, uh, speak it with Kate. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm excited. So, y'all, give us some grace, okay? <laughs> yes, Because <laughs> it's going to be just two sisters having a conversation about it. Um, I think in my previous episode, um, if I remember... When I recorded it, I had my eyes closed throughout the recording in my office because I wanted to let the Holy Spirit speak through me on the parts of my story that he deemed uh, he deemed uh, fitting for this time. Of course, there are parts of your story that depend on the audience, right? You want to make sure that it's appropriate and you don't want to just spill everything because then it will be a lot for the people to take. And so as I was thinking through that, I was like, okay, these are the parts that the Holy Spirit wants me to share. But in her book, uh, Viola Davis says something about 
uh, abuse that I want to capture for everybody. She says in her book on page 75, the, the, the chapter is titled The Sisterhood. She says, sexual abuse back in the day didn't have a name. The abusers were called dirty old men and the abused were called fast or heifers. It was shrouded in silence and invisible trauma and shame. That's why I want us to pause. Shrouded in silence, invisible trauma, and shame. Everything that I said in my intro, in just one line, she captures it, right? Silence, invisible trauma, and shame. So, Wilkenia, what do you think about that? It was shrouded in silence and invisible trauma and shame. Yeah, I think that, um, wow, yeah, that's definitely something that those who have been abused are still dealing with. So like she's talking about when she was younger, you know, and now she's what in her 50s, 40, 50s. And um, we're still dealing with that, right? We're still dealing with a lot of the abuse, the ones who are being abused are still dealing with shame. And they're silent because of fear, you know, like a lot of individuals do not have support. They don't have uh, someone that they can rely on that they can go to and trust. And I think that that's a big component uh, when it comes to anybody speaking their truth is because they are afraid of what people may say or how they would react if they say so-and-so, you know, did this to me or touched me a wrong way. Um, you know, she talked about her, her, like you said, she talked about her, um, her um, brother abusing her. I mean, we're talking about people that are closest to us that are doing these things, you know? And so, you know, being able to have that support system and somebody that can trust within the family to say that so-and-so did this to me without the other person insinuating or thinking that they're lying, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard mm-hmm. for, for that individual. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. I like that part you introduced uh, when you started to speak about, you said it's silent because of fear, right? And even her story is one of countless, right? Um, I didn't know she had that part of her story until, of course, she wrote her memoir and then you read it. And it's like, wow, that's a, a, a lot. But then it starts with someone that she knows, you know, and then it extends to other people that come to the home. And she explains in her book, she's forgiven. And she, she explains in her book, going through those times or those periods where the parents let the children with whoever, you know, whoever is in the home, you know, whoever, you, people had access to you that ordinarily they wouldn't have access to you. And so for my story, that's it. You know, people had access to you. And that word is so powerful, access. That means they can get in, they, 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 they come through, they, they, they come in and they have access to you. And so when people have access to you, what happens? You know, they can love you or they can abuse you. It depends on what that person is also going through. And she talks about curiosity as one of the things that was going on at that time. A lot of curiosity with teenage boys, right? And what is what, where do you draw the line even with someone that you consider a sister or someone who is your sister, right? 
Um, So abuse is really powerful in terms of the effects that it has not only on the person that is being um, abused, but also the people that are involved around that person, because she says not only the silence, but also the trauma that -hmm. comes with it. Mm-hmm. What can you say about that? The silent uh, trauma that comes. My gosh, that. I think that is a uh, trauma in itself is just hard, right? Because as you're looking within and you're, it's when somebody does something to you and you aren't healed, right? You're, you're not, you're not forgiving and you're not healing through that. Then that, that thing that happened to you can can affect you the way that you act or can affect the way that you think about just people, society, the world, um, even um, how you how you perceive yourself, you know? So trauma, it, it affects the way that you navigate life, period, you know? And so um, silent trauma is that, is that internal trauma that we're talking about. It's, it's about, you know, asking yourself those questions, like, was it my fault, you know, or did I, could I have done something different? And, and also just also self-sabotaging as well, but also um, speaking negatively towards yourself because of that thing that happened. Oh, like, oh yeah, that happened to me because I am this and this and that, you know, Mm -hmm. because I am, you know, I'm not beautiful or I, you know, I'm this and that. And so, um, so it's, it's real and it Mm -hmm. it affects all of us in some way, depending on your past experience, but uh, that, that internal trauma, it's, it's definitely something that it's, if we're not careful, like I said, of the idea that you're going to be judged negatively Mm -hmm. conversations with them exactly it's that internal dialogue is so strong you know like Mm -hmm. you are weighing these options of should I tell this person and should I tell that person and even people that are closest to us right but it also that internal dialogue also comes from our observations of how others have been treated Mm -hmm. as a result of what we are experiencing and how others have been received or denied how others have share their stories around when it happened to them what occurred or how they were received so there is this fear factor and then there is the judgment and then part of that is also your internal dialogue that you have going on around us around you so there is fear and there is judgment and then the other one that comes up is shame so she talks about that too that was the third one she mentions it's shame um i think Definitely, it's something that I think just especially individuals that have been abused deal with the most because I think that shame deals with, oh, that should have never happened to me, right? Um, or if, especially if you're an adult and this happens to you and you're being physically, emotionally, you know, um, abused, you feel that that like that shouldn't have happened to me because I'm an adult, because I am quote unquote in, an independent individual, right? And so we try to hide that uh, because we feel shame uh, about the situation, right? And so I think that that is just, uh, again, that is just a trap. <laughs> it's a trap to keep you where you are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, a, it's, it's, 
it's an internal trap that we, we tell ourselves, like, and it keeps us where we are and not allow us to progress and not allow us to get out of whatever relationship or uh, get out of that abuse, you know? So I think that that feeling of, of shame makes you feel, makes you want to hide and makes you want to stay in the dark for as long as possible. It makes, it makes you silent. I think that the, yeah, the, the uh, judgment is there, but I think the shame itself makes you stay silent. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a trap to keep you where you are. Mm -hmm. And when you're trapped, this trap that, you know, who create, who creates this trap? Like, how does this whole thing comes about where one day you're happy go lucky or you're living this life right and then all of a sudden something that you value so much is taken from you right and you you want to have an escape you want to be able to go to somebody and talk to them and say that this is what happened to me in that moment, when the judgment is coming in and the shame is coming in and the fear is coming in and all these things, and we haven't talked about one that we'll talk in a minute, what are you? What do you feel like this person is yearning for? What are they looking for when they go to somebody for help? That's a good question. And I think I want to say is escape. Escape from the situation that they're in, escape from the feelings that they, they're having. Um, they're literally wanting somebody to rescue them, somebody to literally sometimes even drag them out of that. <laughs> so I think that's a, that's a 911 type of scenario where I want, I might not be saying it fully. I might be saying that I still love this individual. I might be saying, you know, my words may be saying something or my actions may be saying something, but coming to somebody and I'm actually speaking what happened, that's, that's, that's an open door for, I want out and I don't know how mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to get out. And that's why we have what we have today is even in a friend circle. So anybody who is in a friendship circle of any kind, whether five, 10, 16, two women, I want you to look at your girlfriends the next time you're together and look at the number of people that you're there. There is one person, two people, three, four people, five people. Ask them and you will come to find out that they have experienced some version of abuse that you will be surprised by. And that's what we are talking about you know, sexual assault and sexual abuse, that's even like very silent. And until you truly like hit the core of a friend and they actually say, you know what? Yeah, I too was. Mm -hmm. But that, those words don't come easy. Like you hear the slogan out there, me too, right? right? It doesn't come easy for someone to just blurt that out. For someone to say that, they have to feel like they have allyship. 
They have people that are going to hear them, people that are going to see them, people that are going to actually listen to what they have to say. Mm -hmm. And until an individual feels that they are being heard or they're going to be seen, they don't bring it out. They don't say because of what we've said earlier, what we've discussed earlier, the judgment and the fear and the shame. And then there is this guilt, Mm -hmm. the guilt. What do you have to say about guilt? Uh, that's also a trap. <laughs> <laughs> a trap. All of it is a trap. Um, yeah, uh, I think that guilt is one of those things where, especially um, talking about relational, um, you feel like you des- you you feel like you deserve, um, not necessarily deserve, but more so you feel like you have to give of yourself to that individual. Um, Or if we're talking about relational, right? A lot of people stay because of that, because of guilt. A lot of people, um, you know, I I think that it's hard to navigate, uh, uh, to be honest, that guilt trip, because, you know, depending on the situation or depending on, the um in the abuser like it might make that other individual want to stay because of that guilt of I have to take care of my spouse or I have to take care of this individual you know so it's I'm gonna be honest it's hard it's this this is this guilt concept is really hard because it's it's a feeling that you get that you feel like you have to stay like, is this feeling that I, I, this person, this other person can't not live without me or I can't live without them. So I, I feel guilty of leaving, even though leaving is the best thing to do mm-hmm. for your survival to survive. Right. Mm-hmm. But this is this, this feeling that no, I, I have to say, especially as, as Christians <laughs> would listen we are in, in a relationship and we're being abused. And whether it's relate, whether it's, you know, you're married or even you are a, have a boyfriend or whatnot, that idea of having to stay, especially if you're married, is so real. It's so real. Why? Because and it's when in the word. And when they're kids. The kids. Yes. Why? Because it says in the word, it says that God doesn't like divorce. You know, and so what do you do with that when you know that your spouse is, you know, doing all of these things, um, making you feel this, you know, uh, abusing you, whether it's emotionally, physically. Um, so it's it's really hard in the Christian community. Uh, you know, people stay with their spouse because maybe their spouse does have some kind of emotional or mental illness and so they feel guilty of leaving even though that individual is actually abusing them you know so I feel like there's a so it's, it's so complex and there's so many layers that we can you know we can peel in in figure out why people stay in in a relationship but listen mm-hmm. that that's really hard so we need to be in scripture mm-hmm. and we need to understand what really does God wants for me as an individual, for yeah. me as a woman, for me in this situation that I'm in, what is he desiring 
for me to know and for me to have. We've talked about shame, we've talked about guilt, but I want us to park probably for the rest of our time in this silence uh, pandemic or silent trauma, we call it, it, is the idea and the concept of what a person really needs when they're going through abuse. Like when they have gone through this thing, you know, and they are ready to jump into like healing. You know, when mm -hmm. they come to you, for example, or any other person, bottom line, bottom line, bottom line, what that person needs is for them to be understood. Mm -hmm. And understanding goes a long way in relationships in general. It's a lot of misunderstandings that have gotten all of us where we are. We don't understand God. And so we try to figure it out. We can't figure it out. And so we right. seek more things. It's, you know, understanding. If we don't understand something, we create our own stories about what we are mm -hmm. seeing, what we are experiencing, what we are witnessing, right? And so understanding or being understood by another human being. What are some of the things that you feel like, you, you know, when we talk about being understood by another human being? What, what does that mean when you hear, oh, I was really understood. Thank you for understanding. What is that? What is it? Yeah. I think it means to listen and not just listen to the individual when they're telling their story or their testimony mm -hmm. is active listening, right? So if that, that means that you're engaged in the conversation. That means that you are... Um, you know, you're also listening to the Holy Spirit to see what the, you know, what he wants you to say um, concerning the situation in that person. So I think it it is not just hearing, right? It's it's listening and being active and engaging in that conversation and asking questions to that individual as well, you know? Um, and I think you're right. I think it's very important for us to, understand each other because there's a lot of people hearing stuff <laughs> and they're not actively listening to what the other person is saying and that's when conflict arrives you know and so you know when it comes to say a friend of mine comes and tells me hey this thing happened I want to tell you yeah, I'm going to sit down with her and I'm going to be patient with her. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, be in the room, be present in the room, right? Because we also need wisdom and discernment from the Holy Spirit to be able to say the, the, the right thing that she may need or he may need at that moment, you know? And also I'm going to be actively listening to what she's saying and engaging in that conversation mm -hmm. and letting her know that she is loved and she is cared for mm -hmm. and she's protected. Mm -hmm. He or she is cared for and is protected, you know, and knows that I am here for her, you know? And so, yes, and, and that conversation, not only taking that, not only listening to that individual, active listening at that moment, but constantly being involved in that person's life as well, right? Because healing, it is a journey. And sometimes God places us with individuals, depending on the season that they're in, right? To go through that healing with them, you know? Mm -hmm. Sometimes sometimes it's just 
a conversation and a prayer. Sometimes it's more than that. It's actually going through that healing with that individual as well. So listen, so when we put our corporate hats on and yo, well, Kenya is also in corporate America. She is yes. in human resources like me. So when we put on our corporate hats, we often know how we are trained, you know? And mm-hmm. I remember when I used to be a trainer for customer service, I would train people how to be empathetic, mm-hmm. how to show empathy, right? Yeah. And years, years later, I am reading scripture and I'm going to go there. I am reading scripture and I get a whole new insight on what we mean by empathy. And it had nothing to do with the training that I was training other people on when it comes to empathy. So I want us to go to Hebrew and I, Hebrews. And I told y'all that this topic of the silent pandemic, well, Kenny and I are going to talk about it from various angles. So if you're wondering, wait, you're talking about fear, you're talking about shame, and now where are we going? Empathy and sympathy. There are so many tools that we need in our tool belt when it comes to us being able to be people that uh, are more aware. And that's one thing that I love about our ministry and also about the podcast and some of the things that we do is I want women sisters to be different. And I say it a lot to a lot of people. Like I want this next generation of 40 something year olds, 30 something year old, 20 something year olds. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I want us to be different when it comes to us, not only hearing God's word, but doing our very best to apply it. And that's Mm -hmm. what the word said to do it. And so when we talk about sympathy and empathy, think about it in this context. Mm-hmm. Sympathy is what we see the Lord Jesus in the Old Testament, God doing mostly with his children, which is he's removed, right? Because of sin, mm-hmm. we are removed from him and he's doing everything he can. So think about that friend that hasn't experienced what you've been through and you're trying to tell them a story and they're like, well, why didn't you do this? And did you do that? And by the way, have you looked into these resources and maybe consider this, that's sympathy. That is us being like, here, take this, take that, here, here. I'm suggesting all these things to you. Right. And then empathy is that part of God that came down and was like, let me sleep where they sleep. Let me, yeah. let me, let me feel what they're feeling. Let me, let me see why they're acting the way they're acting, right? Empathy is that friend that when you call and it's like, this is what I'm going through. It's like, oh my gosh, where are you? Okay, I am going to come. I'm going to do this, da, 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 right. da. Let me pray with you. Let, listen, the next day they're calling like, I could not sleep. I'm thinking about you. They have fully immersed themselves exactly. into your situation. Tell me, Wilkinia, <laughs> hearing this empathy, sympathy, what are you hearing? I'm, I'm hearing sympathy is more so an external experience that you're having, Ooh, right? Experience, so, external experience. So what is happening is that you are observing a situation that happens and you are saying things, right? And possibly you know, giving suggestions and, and things to this other person. Uh, so it's all external. It, does, it doesn't necessarily, um, uh, the heart is not 
Doesn't uh, hit the heart. Yeah, the heart's <laughs> not added into this recipe, right? <laughs> this is just, this is just, you. it's kind of you watching a movie, you know? <laughs> so what do you think about this movie? You know what I'm saying? So it's an external experience that you're having, you know? Um, versus being emerged, that means you are putting yourself in that person's shoes. And what you're doing is, how would I want to be treated if I was in this type of situation? How would I want people to respond to, to respond to me if I was in that type of situation? So that's that's empathy. That's saying, I am going to do whatever it takes for you to feel safe, for you to feel loved, for you to feel cared for, you know, in the best of my ability, because I would have done the same, like I would have wanted somebody to do the same thing for me. So that's that's what it's saying, you know? So you're putting yourself in those shoes, in that person's shoes and, and asking those questions, like what would I want somebody to do for me? Had If I, you know, was in this, those, the same shoes as her or him. Why is this so difficult? Why is it so difficult for us as humans, as women, mm-hmm. to show that touch, to show empathy? I think it has to do, honestly, with, there's, there's a lot of layers, I think. And one of those things is upbringing. It could have been upbringing the way that we were brought up. Some of us are very independent women. Some of us feel that other people should be that same way. You know, you do your thing, you, if you get into trouble, you just, just fix it. You just, you're just this fixer, fixer upper type of individual, right? And uh, not necessarily looking to the heart of things. Uh, I think that we don't necessarily focus in the heart about Mm. our heart very often. I think that that is a very, it's getting more common now, to be honest, but growing up, you didn't, if you cried, why are you crying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, well, like mm-hmm. you know like why are you crying you know and so it's like wipe your tears and let's fix the issue you know and so I think it's definitely upbringing is one of those things uh, I could be because of the the same trauma that you've had before that you've had in the past you know mm-hmm. that we don't like to le- let people in mm-hmm. um, and because of that we put up this wall and we can't empathize with somebody because we are we ourselves have trauma that we haven't even dealt with Mm -hmm. so we don't we don't we can it can be unconscious too like we're not Mm -hmm. we're not conscious of our own trauma Mm -hmm. therefore we don't know how to empathize with this Mm -hmm. individual Mm -hmm. you know it's an awareness thing and Mm -hmm. i'm hoping that anyone that's listening to the podcast and you've got into this part i want you to pause and ask yourself right in the last year, in the last month, in the last couple of weeks, whatever it is, have you encountered a situation that required empathy from you and you showed sympathy and why? Sympathy is great and we need it. Sympathy is like the starting point, you know, but don't stop there. You want to get to the heart. And when you start to invite empathy into your heart that's when you start to heal your Mm -hmm. own heart because you think about people who are very compassionate where does that come from anyone who shows much compassion knows there's something that they are working on in their own heart Mm -hmm. you know and so 
if you ask yourself in the past week, in the past, you know, what information, what news, what have I come across that, or what has come across to me that I, I don't even remember how I reacted, you know, how I responded to whatever news or whatever information came to me. Sympathy and empathy for me, it sounds like when we, when we hear someone's story, but be it abuse, be it trauma, be it uh, what, what other form, any other form of trauma, divorce, whatever it is. When we hear another person's story, what is our first thought and reaction? That tells us the state of our heart. And the state of our heart is ever, ever going to be changing. It's changing because we want it to heal. We want it to transform. And if you want your heart to transform, you always want to pause and how did I react to that news, right? For example, you are in a group with other women and another friend, another sister says something that's going on with them. How did you respond? How did you react? You know, what hit you from what they were saying? You know, were you able to quickly dismiss it? Did it haunt you throughout the day? Like, oh my gosh, that, that really hurts, you know? Empathy. As Wilkinia has said, you know, it's a heart issue. It is a heart issue. You have to look at your heart and see where you're at when it comes to how you are hearing that person. Because as we talk about being understood, it requires empathy. If you understand somebody, there's empathy that comes with it. And so Wilkinia says empathy and sympathy. Sympathy is the external experience in Empathy is the internal experience, right? And what I add to that is empathy says, I see what you are doing, what you're going through, what you have been. Empathy, sympathy, I see, I see, I see it, okay? I see, I see, I hear you, okay? Empathy is, I know, I know. And when we say I know, it's not like, I have been there or have experienced it too. But I'm saying I know because I, I'm immersing my heart right there. Like I know, I know it hurts. You know, I know this really is not like what you dreamed of. You know, I know. I know it's powerful. I know it's powerful. And I don't know if Wilkina knows where I'm going with this. But what part of scripture really hits us at the core when we want to go to God and figure out what he has for us in the future? There's this word, no, that he says. What does he say? That I know the plans that I have for you. He knows. He knows. And so for someone to be known, what does that feel like? You know, you hear people say, seen, heard, known, love, blah, blah, blah. Seen, sympathy, you know, I see you. I see you. I see everything you're doing, girl. It's good. I'm clapping for you. I'm cheering you on. <laughs> like, well, Kenya, like you said, you know, you send, you know, in, in our friend circles that we have, all listeners listening, you all have friend circles, right? And you send messages and stuff like that. And sometimes, you know, you're like, wait, did you read the whole thing? You know, or you have friends and then all of a sudden out of the blue, it's like, wait, what's going on with you now? You know, it's like, like you said, we are, we are always hearing, but is it being processed? Mm-hmm. Because for empathy to happen, 
there has to be a process in that takes right. place. Yeah. So this, I, no, go ahead. Go ahead. So, I mean, that's, wow, to be known, right? Is it means to, to know the inside and outside of who you are. You know, your emotional, your spiritual, like it's, it's all of you in a holistic experience, you know, is that's, mm. that's what to be known feels like, you know? And, um, I think it's, uh, I mean, definitely to know that God knows us that way is amazing. Right. But then to, to, for an individual to be aware, right. Cause this individual has to be aware and has to be intentional right? Mm, my, one of my favorite words. Intentional. <laughs> yeah. So this person has to have intentionality to walk with you in this, in this, in for you to tell them their story and for them to know, not that they know because they've been in that space, but they know what pain look feels like. They know what trauma is, you know, they know what heartache feels like, you know, that a broken heart all of those things we've somehow experienced it and want in you know in our journey in this life you know and so you may not had the same it may not be the scenario the same scenario but those feelings are still the same we know how those feelings you know you know we know how those heartbreak feels like you know mm -hmm. and so for somebody to to dig deep and be intentional in reminiscing that in allowing allowing those all that pain to like to feel pain because of that person that feels pain. like that is to be known like that. My gosh, that's that's a friend you want to keep for the rest of your <laughs> life. You hear me? <laughs> you know, that's somebody that you can say, okay, this person now she is my sister. She she's not just a friend, she's a, a sister that will support me, will be there in the trenches with me if she, if need be, you know, this person is, is somebody that, that is definitely, yeah, a, a sister. I don't know, but anyone listening, you're probably like, uh, how many friends do I have now? How many of you know me? <laughs> but, you know, part of that also is there's a responsibility that we have talking about, you know, these experiences that we have. Viola Davis's book, the chapter that I read, uh, the snippet that I read is from this chapter titled The Sisterhood. Wow. And this chapter talks all about her relationship with her sisters. So she has four other sisters and a brother. And she talks about how in this sisterhood, all four girls experience sexual abuse. Mm. But they, they experienced it in different forms. Mm -hmm. But she also talks about the silence of it, but then also when they actually told their mother about what they had been through, you know, mm -hmm. and she talks about her sisters knowing who she is because there was this place that they all had to get to, which is the other word. So today we are doing a bunch of words. <laughs> Vulnerability. Mm, yes. She talks about, they had to get to this place. And actually my sisters know me, but I had to be vulnerable 
Yes. In order for the other person to know me, you know. Yes. God knows all our vulnerabilities, y'all. We can't hide anything from him. You know, that's why he says he knows, you know, in Psalm 139, it talks a whole lot about the number of hairs on your head and all that. You want God to search your heart and what? Know me. Mm -hmm. So in order for someone to know you, what do you have to do? You have to bear what's hidden. Yes. Open, like open your mouth, like open your heart. (laughs) open that door of vulnerability like that that you said definitely it's hard though I'm gonna be honest like it's hard to be vulnerable to somebody because now they have this thing I'm going to go there I feel like I should go there when you finally when you finally were vulnerable with me about abuse what kicked you in the gut that said now is the time for you to share this part of you with Kate what hit me in the gut (laughs) (laughs) the Holy Spirit (laughs) you know it takes me a while to trust individuals Mm -hmm. um I think for me due to my upbringing and all of the traumas that I've gone through it just takes me a little bit longer to trust individual but when I trust you 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 got all of me you got all of me (laughs) Follow me. <laughs> are you sure you're not born in September? Like, are you sure you're not like uh, the loyal kind of people? Like, you know. <laughs> and so I think that for me, I I had to to get there, to get to get to that that vulnerable state. I had to observe. Mm-hmm. I observe people. Ooh, I like and, the word observe. Yes, I observe people a lot, and I I see how they interact with other individuals. And um, before I could, because you want to know if that person is able to handle hard, hard conversations, you know, and so, and how they would react to those hard Mm -hmm. conversations, Mm -hmm. you know, and so that's very important for me. And so when I told you about what happened to me, I, um, I felt safe. I felt mm, safe, safe and I felt that I can trust you and that you weren't going to put it out there without my, you know, my consent, <laughs> you know, but I, I could, I, I could fully trust, trust you. And, um, but it, it, for me, I was intentional about, I am very intentional about who I tell mm-hmm. what to, mm-hmm. um, because again, I could be very, I'm going to be honest, I could be very easily, like, you know, go, you know, go to a different, you know, talk to people and all of a sudden, because I'm, I'm a people person, so I talk to people all the time, and then I just, I'm, I'm, I could be, I could easily just say stuff and then hear from other people that I've never talked to about that. <laughs> so, because I know from my past that that has happened before, I'm like, okay, I need to be more intentional um about who I speak to and so yeah I I think it was the fact that I felt trusted you you said you said those this I kind of put it like vulnerability in order for you to be known you have to be vulnerable right and in order for that vulnerability to occur there are a few things that 
as an individual, you have to master up. Like, I love what you said, which was, I observe, you know, and that's the thing is, you, you're just not going to go to anybody and talk to, you know, like, yes, in the heat of the moment, you're, you're figuring out who to call, who to talk to, and the Holy Spirit will actually point you to who to talk to when you when you ask, like, who should I call in this moment? And he'll tell you who to call. But then even besides observing, you said that that safe space, you know, is this person going to create a safe space for me to talk? And what does that safe space look like? In my world, we talk about it in in terms of that person is not going to invade your space without asking permission. So is it okay if I say something? Or, wow, thank you for trusting me with this information. Or, you know, I know how you're feeling in this moment. Like they create this safe space for you to share, open up your heart and give them that information. You talked about, will that person be strong enough to take it? (laughs) You need to to know. Because we think all our friends are strong, but some of us... (laughs) Nope. (laughs) You know... um, Will they be strong enough to take it? Not only strong as in physical strength, but we are talking about emotional strength Mm -hmm. and spiritual strength in particular. Like, are they going to pray with you and for you? And they are not going to be like, oh man, what do I do with this now? You know, so looking for that. Also, you'd mentioned trust. It comes in different levels, right? Mm -hmm. So just being able to, just being able to, to do that, is, is it, it's going to take some time. Vulnerability yeah. will take some time for right. that to happen, but don't give up. That's the thing. If you're going through abuse, if you're going through some trauma and you need community around you, you need people around you, this is how you get there. If you want right. someone to know you, you have to open up and don't just go opening up to anybody and everybody. It says in Proverbs, like the person that talks too much it's folly. It's foolishness. You have to know who you're talking to and how much you're going to share, how much you're going to open up to that person about. So I do love, love this, which is the vulnerability, you know, observing and then creating that safe space. And then trust Mm -hmm. also comes in different levels as well. We have talked a lot about a lot of things when it comes to this silence around trauma, the silence of abuse, right? The shame, the guilt, the sympathy, the empathy, and all those in between. Do you have any questions for me? So, Kate. (laughs) It's very rare that someone gets to ask me questions on the podcast. (laughs) So I think think it's, uh, you know, I've I've heard so many things, you know, I feel like I know a lot about you and I've I've heard so, in, through the podcast I heard your story and even I'm turning the, the tables on me now but I, I know I just wanted to know like you know <laughs> we talked about again we're talking about that silence pandemic um and how it affects us in such such and like it affects our net our, our way the way that we navigate life and I I want to know like how and I can, I can tell you the biblical way, or I, I may know the biblical way of how you got there, right? But how did you really get there? How, like, how, how'd you get to where you are right now um, through all the trauma that you've experienced? Um, and you, I'm, I'm pretty sure you had to wrestle with some emotions and some feelings and, and things like that. But in a few words, like, how, how did you get here? How, yeah, how'd you get here? How did I get here? 
That is such a good question. I haven't even thought about that in my own life. Like, Kate, how did you get here? If I am to be honest in my response and bear my heart, I will say that how I got here was me finally getting to a place where I needed to choose something. Mm. I needed to choose something. I had so many different ways I could go and I saw the different ways I could go, right? I had tested some of them. I had tested promiscuity. Mm. I had tested, um, you know, hating men. I had tested and hating men was leading me down the path of liking women. Mm. I had tested not even being in a relationship with anybody, you know? I had tested the idea of um, just holding my heart so close and continuing to do what I was doing, which was my heart is hardened and I'm not going to let anyone in and all of those things, right? I had tested so many things, but there was one that I hadn't tested, mm-hmm. but I knew was in me. And that was to choose this thing of being righteous <laughs> like trying to be righteous you know yeah. um growing up you know the people that would try to be righteous were called like creepy like oh yeah you are like this christian you know like you know all this holier than thou holier than thou <laughs> all that stuff and i didn't know that that was where freedom was mm-hmm. To actually get to a point in your life when you're like, you know what? I am a sinner. You know what? I eat too much cake sometimes. And so I can't wait. That's gluttony. You know what? I have dabbled in porn. I have, you know, and by the way, yeah, porn was introduced to me as part of the abuse. It was introduced to me um, by family members. Mm. And a lot of young women will tell you that. Like, you didn't stumble upon it by accident. It actually was somebody, a magazine or the whole video or something like that, you know? And so to be righteous and to make this decision like, okay, I've done it all in all sorts of ways. Now let me go ahead and try God. Mm. That time in my process in 2016, when I just was like, okay, I'm going to try God. I knew that I had been, I had received the Holy Spirit anointing when I was like nine years old. It was like back in middle school or something like that. And I had tasted the speaking of Mm. tongues. I had tasted what it meant to have the Holy Spirit. But you look at nine years old and 33 years old in 2016. That's a lot of years. Yeah. And a lot of things that had happened in those years, you know, and a lot of abuse in those years that had removed my heart so far away from God, that this idea of trying God again required me to do all the things that we have said today, which is vulnerable, you know, Mm -hmm. like be vulnerable with him and say that. Not he knows your heart, but he wants you to admit it. Right. There's there's something powerful when you speak it out that no longer has power. 
Mm-hmm. There's something that when you speak it out, like, yes, I have been a sinner. Yes, I have done this. Yes, I have done that. That no longer holds power over you. And so the one thing that I know I had to choose, I had to do was when I felt in my heart that there are so many ways to go, where do I want to go? Mm-hmm. I had to choose a path and I chose to try God. Mm-hmm. And so I always say that I have known what it means to suffer without God. And I now know what it means to suffer with God. And I choose God every day. Because in choosing him, I know that I'm not doing anything and everything in my strength. Mm -hmm. And that's why joy is my word, because it says in his word that the joy of the Lord is your strength. We don't need strength from any, oh God, please give me strength. Oh God, please make me strong, all that stuff. Have you taken delight in the Lord? Mm. <laughs> have you have you so good. have you taken delight in the lord because he's telling you point blank period the joy of the lord is your strength when you take delight when you take joy in his principles when you take delight in his will his way his word all those things you're strong you're stronger than you think yeah. so Instead of us praying to God, like, God, give me strength. God, give me strength. What should we be praying for? Give me joy. <laughs> joy, joy. <laughs> that is what we should be praying for. And that's why I always okay. will say that read the word, read the word, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Because once you read it, it's like it's backwards, right? It's like, oh God, you know, God is going to give you strength to go through it. God is going to give you joy because joy, 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 joy. If you delight in God, that's hope, that's love, that's renewed strength. That is a lot of things. That is forgiveness. And right there is freedom. But I chose and then I had to forgive. Mm. That's how I got here. Choosing to try God and allowing God to work in my heart so that I could forgive. That's how I got here. That's it. So we have to choose, right, every day then. Ah, choose to live free, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Choose to live free every day. You, you know? have to choose. You have to choose. There yeah. is no other way to do it but to choose. And yeah, there are so many things you can choose. So what do you choose? I'm going to say choose to try God. Choose to try God. But don't give him a timeline. Don't go saying, I'm going to try you for like two months. And if it doesn't work. (laughs) It doesn't work in your timeline. (laughs) I've learned that. (laughs) Don't give him ultimatums. Okay, don't give him ultimatums. Allow him to do what he knows to do. And we've said it, for I know the plans I have for you. Mm. If you believe that he's not going to destroy you, the plans are not going to, you know, take you like all that. Allow God to do the work and you choose to try him and live in it. You know, like live freely in it. So, so choose to try him and walk with forgiveness. That will be the two things I will see is choose to try God and walk with forgiveness. That's where freedom really is. That's so awesome. So 
Is that the only question you have? Yes, that's the only question I have. <laughs> I think I can go on and on, but like, let me just give her one for today. <laughs> so, but it was, this has been great. I wanted us to kind of talk about this, um, you know, from a biblical standpoint, mostly, but then also looking at it like in real everyday life, what do we go through as sisters, as women, when we're talking about abuse? And there are so many layers that we haven't touched on, right? We haven't touched about what the trauma really feels like and what it feels like to feel rejected, right? What it feels like to feel like nobody is there for you. We didn't touch on all these parts because these are like ongoing conversations that we need to have in our communities, in our families, in our friend circles. Like these are the real things that people deal with. And so we will have another conversation another time. You know, this ministry, every April, we're going to talk about it. Every October, we're going to talk about it because October is also Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And so we'll have this conversation ongoing. But I do love that, you know, Wilkinia has been able to touch on so many different things here today when it comes to the silence of trauma or the silence of this pandemic that we have going on around the world. I want you to leave a word with our listeners today, our sisters today, when it comes to, you know, whatever they are processing right now, whatever it is that they are processing, whether it's abuse, whether it's trauma in different ways, whatever it is, leave them with a powerful word. I think is don't be afraid to be vulnerable mm. with the people that you trust. I think it's it's something, it's. I think that they give them the opportunity to help you, give them the opportunity to encourage you, give them the opportunity to be there for you. Um, so don't be afraid. God hasn't given us a fear, a, a spirit of fear, right? Um, and he's given us a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And so be step into that, step into that vulnerability. Uh, step into it hardcore because I promise you the moment that you do your life is going to change for the better I wrote down give your sisters the opportunity to know you mm -hmm. that is strong and of course the back question is when I give my sisters the opportunity to know me what do they do with that so that's a good question mm -hmm. that's a good question but I think is it's not you may not know until they do what they do, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that support you or distance, um, you know, distance themselves away from you. Mm -hmm. But the thing is to don't let that be a hindrance for you, right? It's kind of like the same thing about, oh yeah, God says to tithe, but now I don't want to, I don't want to tithe because I don't know what the church is going to do with the money. <laughs> it's not for you to know what they're going to do with that, right? It's for you to be, step into it and then God will do the rest, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's what I'm, I guess, uh, letting you know that if you if you step into it, God will open some doors. I mm -hmm. promise you, like mm -hmm. step into vulnerability. God is going to uh, uh, bring people by your side that are trustworthy, that are people that will support you in your journey. Mm -hmm. and I'm saying that because it has happened to me that's that's the reason why I know that it will happen as long as you step into that vulnerability that healing will come those people will come and 
yeah, there might be some bad eggs, but that doesn't, don't let that hinder you. Mm-hmm. Keep on going mm-hmm. and God will show himself to you. This has been great. This has been so great. And yes, you'll be coming on more often. Um, I think next time I'll have you ask me questions because people, I'm always the one asking questions. And so when people get to hear uh, questions that I haven't prepared, right? But someone Mm -hmm. has prepared and they're asking me, they want to know how I will respond. I think it'll be an awesome and fun episode for us to do. I would love it. (laughs) In the hot seat. Yes. (laughs) For once, right? (laughs) But thank you so much, dear. Thank you so much for joining the Choose to Live Free podcast. Again, I appreciate your heart and what you have set out to do when it comes to this work that we are doing. And I know that, you know, the work that we put out, a lot of women are blessed and definitely you are a part of the process. And so can't wait to hear and see, you know, as you go along this journey with me, all the things that you get to experience uh, through God's grace. And so on that note, I want to say a big thank you. And I hope that everybody listening, you got a lot out of this episode and there is more to come. So stay tuned. Thank you, Wilkenia. I love you. Thank you. Bye. Love you too. Bye.